Hello, Internet. Coming to you from the Rochester Rough Draft Studios, but in reality, as you are listening to this, I am more than, more likely than not, uh, sitting on Miami Beach, having a very nice cocktail, as I enjoy the last day of uh, vacation. Uh, there, I've been on vacation for the last few days, uh, and I am sure the next time we batch record, so not next week, but two weeks from now, uh, Chase and I will talk about all the wonderful things, sites I saw, uh, and what will end up being my, not to get political, probably only trip to Florida for the long-term foreseeable future. Um, <laughs> do want to apologize, uh, for the uh, couple of week break that we are on. Um, sometimes in life, things happen and, uh, you need to deal with what's important, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, this podcast was not at the top of the list, but we are back. We are still going to do the same film we were going to do a couple of weeks ago. We're still going to do the same video games we were going to do on Steam Cleaners. We just took a two-week break. And, of course, when I say we, I, of course, mean my lovely podcast co-host, Chase Wassner. Chase, how are you doing this evening? Uh, you know, glad to be back at it again in the white vans or lack thereof. Um, yeah, you know, I appreciate everyone's patience while we took those couple weeks off. If you want to know what's up, uh, it's pinned to my Twitter account at Chase Wassener. Uh, we're not here to talk about that today, but I have been open about it. Um, so I, I feel like I can just direct y'all there and get into some film discussion that I'm really excited about. Honestly, um, this was one of the most fun film watching experiences I've had in a while. Uh, I was in the theater with uh, a couple friends uh, who uh, were also excited to see the the film and were the people who originally inspired me to ask you uh, to watch it on the show. Um, and uh, oh boy, am I glad we did. I am really excited to talk about this one. See, and Chase has been very good not to say the name of the movie that we watched, even though, of course... It's in the title of the podcast. Uh, so I'm just I can't being polite about, you know, I wouldn't want to <laughs> wouldn't want to step on your toes like I did just now. <laughs> Listen, that is a societal norm. Listen, it's a societal norm and it completely killed the gag that I was going to do two weeks ago when I was going to talk about, well, you know, I alluded to maybe we were going to watch paint because I thought it was like a biopic about Bob Ross. Turns out that wasn't true. So I was going to ask you how Evil Dead Rises was. Uh, and then have a good <laughs> laugh about that. <laughs> but, uh, no, we we watched uh, Nita Manzor's Polite Society, a action comedy martial arts movie uh, about a, uh, a, a girl, uh, uh, you know, kind of like in her teens, a high school age girl, uh, trying to stop her sister's marriage. Uh, and as the tagline here on IMDb states, she attempts to pull off the most ambitious of all wedding heists in the name of independence and sisterhood. And uh, Chase, I think when you described this to me, you said it was like a Bollywood martial arts movie. So what were your initial thoughts as you were going into it? And what kind of, you know, from the jump made you want to suggest it for the podcast? Yeah, well, you know, it, first of all, got great reviews. Um, pretty much universally liked. I, I've always enjoyed uh, British comedies in general. Um, and this is one uh, that had a, a very interesting twist to it, right? You know, this bond between two sisters and the need for one to rescue the other from whatever circumstances are in play. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know the details about the dynamics that would fully be developed, but I sure liked the idea 
of this wannabe stunt artist uh, doing her best to navigate, um, you know, a tough situation for anyone to be thrown in, you know, having this uh, rock of her life and her older sister uh, seemingly suited off uh, to be wed and taken away to Singapore um, and how she dealt with that. Uh, And I got to be honest, uh, there were two ways that this film could go. There was a very traditional path that the story could have taken. And then there's what we got. And oh boy, am I glad we got what we got instead of the more traditional story because I love it when a film takes a big swing, Walter. I love it when a film is willing to alienate half of it at its audience in order to really appease the other half. Uh, and I feel like that's what we got. You know, I, I agree with you. It's nice to see people taking risks. And this movie does a lot to subvert what your sort of your initial expectations are. And, and I will also agree, this took a, a left turn and then another left turn and then a right turn to make sure we didn't end up in the same spot. Um, just to <laughs> Just to kind of like redirect where you thought it was going to go because... Um, I, I did. I, I had a pre- preconceived notation about where it was going to end up. And this isn't this isn't a spoiler. I thought it was going to be this ending of, you know, uh, uh, of growth and acknowledgement and of moving on and of uh, finding your own place and, and, and all of these things. And the funny thing, Chase, is it actually did do those things, but mm-hmm. in a completely out of bounds way that... Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll get to some of the absurdity as we get towards like later into the film because it, it kind of is a little bit spoilery. Um, but kind of just starting at the beginning, there is a. It's funny you bring up British comedy because this to me in pre-call you're like, well, I don't know if it really is British comedy. This to me is like a quintessential British comedy movie in terms of the tropes that it's relying on, in terms of kind of the silly gags. It didn't feel uh, like. Uh, uh, what you would expect from an American comedy movie. There's no real like fart jokes or like what you would expect really gets an American audience going. The, <laughs> the humor was a little bit absurd. Um, uh-huh. And and I'm just going to say this scene, like the waxing torture scene that yep. happens. Uh-huh, that um, did happen. Because that is so just, I mean, I guess that's 40 year old virgin territory too, but it just feels so quintessentially British about how they sort of portray the the plot and and what drives this entire story was there were there any differences that like really stuck out to you and been like yeah this could only happen to somebody that like had a british kind of upbringing yeah you know there's you know the word that rotten tomatoes uses when describing it is british wryness and i i think that that's certainly very much in play um the humor does not come from kind of pure uh, laugh out loud like punchlines or whatnot. It's the absurdity of a situation contrasted with uh, the reality um, and how those things uh, intermix, right? It's the uh, two sisters getting into an extended fight sequence and just absolutely destroying their room and the hall outside the room until there's this kind of climactic emotional breakthrough and the parents are just like i don't care why you were fighting but you better clean up and get downstairs and they all just move on (laughs) like there's like the wounds that are on both of their face like that's just look we did the fight part now we have to sit down and have an awkward dinner conversation 
Um, that's that to me is a, a quintessential British thing, or or the like, you know, Rhea, the teenage lead here, um, the wannabe stuntman, uh, sneaking up into uh, the the room of of Salim, the uh, Pakistani uh, man who has tried to woo her uh, sister away, um, and trying to plant uh, fake used condoms in his bedroom. And then getting caught and just the, the, the pure horror of uh, social awkwardness when it's revealed that the evidence that she thinks reveals that he is cheating is a picture of his late wife. Um, just really clever, very absurd, very funny, um, while being able to kind of get at it from a darker angle. Um, I may be a little bit more kind to uh, some American comedy films than uh, your description of, of fart jokes might imply, but there is, it's a smart film. Um, it's a, a film that uh, Polite Society that really understands and respects its audience and its ability to keep up. And that's something I have always appreciated in British comedy. It's not, um, the, there's a, a willingness to trust that you will find the absurd as absurd as they do and be glad that you're along for the ride. I would agree. I, I think my favorite like kind of comedy scene uh, is uh, when they're in the gym and they're, they are trying to get Salim's laptop because they want to like download whatever, you know, hideous, uh, you know, uh, secrets that he has or whatever and like they have to go into the men's locker room so like all right let's dress up and and Rhea like puts on a mustache and is like wearing a sweater and wearing a you know some sweatpants and like she comes face to face with Celine because she has to distract him so they can get the laptop back in there because it's taking longer to download and she's like Celine with the wig off but still has the mustache on and then has to like pull the mustache off and then uh the the friend um having Alba then having to go in and she's like She's, you know, the innocent, like, I have no experience with this, and all of the men are naked. Just, it's just total man-ass. And you're just like, <laughs> this poor high school girl, I have been in some men's locker rooms, and uh, it's not a pretty place, po folks. It is not a pretty uh, place. Um, granted, in this movie, all of the men were, like, younger, um, but, man, I tell you, there's, there is no shame uh, for older gentlemen in a men's locker room, which might have made the movie a little bit funnier, but also a little bit more creepy um, well, it's, in it's that more, scene. It's more fun this way, because instead of having a, like, oh, this is gross moment, you get an, oh, all of puberty hit her at the same time moment, where she's, like, wide-eyed and taking in all of these attractive men in their full nudity and having to keep a straight face and, like put on this like man act that they've decided is simply kind of leaning back and swaying a little bit from start to finish. It's very funny. Um, and it's way funnier than like the gross out humor would have been a hundred percent. It reminds me of like, if I love Lucy, if she had to like pretend to be a man, like that's how she would have, would have acted or like three kids in a trench coat. It was, it was very much in like, in that line of humor, um, which sort of like, it gets us into the plot, right? It's like, okay, so what's going on here? So we've mentioned that, that Rhea here, she wants to be a stunt, uh, stunt woman, stunt person, uh, has martial arts training. It starts with her, um, doing some, some karate or some taekwondo classes and, uh, 
and we have her and her sister and her sister uh is is coming across as this sort of failed artist we learn that she uh dropped out of art school and there's some reasons behind that that ultimately comes down down to she thinks she isn't a good artist and sort of that depressive funk and she has this very sort of goth emo-ish kind of look that's like signifying like she is sad she is very sad her hair is in a like a messy bun ponytail and she's just wearing like black sweats and it's just like i'm sad and then Rhea gets home from school is like help me make a video for youtube and physically has to drag her sister out of bed and out of her bedroom to do it but her sister is encouraging is incredibly encouraging is like try it again well maybe you'll get it next time or you know maybe uh, eunice Hol uh Holhart, who is the stunt woman that Rhea idolizes like maybe she'll write back to you at some point like all of these things um and then we have like the parents and the mom is trying very hard to you know encourage her daughters and be supportive of it but she's also very much trying to fill the the kind of ethnic um role right the ethnic stereotyping of what those family dynamics are supposed to be so she like forces her daughters to go to this Eid Mubarak um did you know dinner celebration that one of her uh you know her circle of friends she you know they're holding and like drags them out of the house and makes sure they dress as nice and they're like oh you know be part be be jovial be part of the celebration and both of them are like yeah no we don't want any of this um Rhea is like disgusted by Salim who is very clearly like he's he's single he's an eligible bachelor he's a doctor like it's clear what's going on here is he's he's choosing from which of these women he would like to um you know engage in conversation with so to speak and as Rhea is uh is kind of like you know, wandering the house. She stumbles into a study and uh, discovers, yeah, that's exactly what this fucking party is for. It's, hey, let's put all the single ladies in the, in the you know, community into one house, one room, and have Salim, like, pick out which one is, like, the most beautiful or the most interesting. And, of course, because this is a movie, he falls, quote-unquote, for Lena and they have a date and Lena's like please I'm just gonna like you know I'm gonna have one date with him I'm gonna let him like take me out and like use his money for him Rhea at one point is like just fuck like tag and bag him just just have sex with him once and then kick him to the curb mm -hmm. in front of her mother who I'm sure this is like the most horrifying thing her mother's ever heard in her life um mm -hmm. but then it turns out Lena like starts falling in love with him starts falling for him and sort of gets pushed into um into this relationship and ultimately what becomes a, a marriage proposal in like I, i'm looking at the wikipedia article here like a few weeks which is hey red flag here this is no 90 day fiance like red red flag um, but it's been pushed it's a red flag but it's also a very realistic kind of situation right like usually when you get something like that it feels like it's being forced in order to fit the standard of a movie but the film does a good job of setting up how much um, she's just struggling, right? Lena is lo feeling lost, doesn't have a strong sense of self, doesn't feel comfortable in her career path. And here comes this guy who tells her that actually um, not having all the answers means that you understand something that nobody else does. You're the special one. And I'm going to be my very handsome, uh, well-off, uh, you know, intelligent self, 
and uh, give you uh, something that in a moment in which Lena is struggling seems like a much brighter future than she's capable of seeing for herself at that moment, right? Like, she's a, she feels like she's at her rock bottom, and here's someone who is the biggest rise uh, in social standing and, um, you know, being able to, to take care of her and, and take care of all these other things. Um, it makes sense. It's what you do when you feel like you're out of options and you finally get presented with something that feels like it makes sense. Like, it's easy for us to see the red flag there, and we're meant to, right? But there's also a reason that, like, for a while, all of these attempts to get dirt on Selim don't work. Because he is, on paper, a lot of very positive things, and a lot of things that Lena could benefit from in this low point in her life. But, I don't know, I, I appreciate that the film really took the time to set up all these variables establish the family dynamics both for Salim and for Lena and give us a situation in which what could have easily felt contrived and just passed on really feel like the most logical response for a character in her position. I mean, we're talking a number of weeks here. We are talking a world we are talking a whirlwind romance of like i've known the dude for a few weeks he's proposing to me because he's going to singapore after this like i don't know chase like in the real world that happens when like 18 year olds join the army oh i, I just uh, it's not great I, I know what happens, right but like, like as an outsider uh, we're aware of this but from her perspective it makes total sense and that's what makes Rhea so fun to root for, right? Because we as an audience recognize that that's a bad sign. And Rhea is able to acknowledge that that's a bad sign in a way that no one else in her family is capable of. And that even her friends who are willing to help her quite a lot, um, including that, that kind of gym sequence that, you, that we talked about earlier, like they go above and beyond. And even they're like, yeah, it seems like he's, he's pretty cool. Um, maybe you're just feeling a little jealous. Um, you know, maybe it's time to let this go. And Rhea's the only person who stands by the conviction that us as an audience are intrinsically inclined to agree with. Um, and I think that that's really smart because it, it allows a situation for Rhea to uh, become a little bit isolated and to have to struggle with her own emotional perspective on this while still ultimately being right in a way that makes her easy for an audience to root for, even as none of the tactics that she tries ends up working out for the first two-thirds of the film. She stumbles into being correct. She, her, her friends, it, and again, notwithstanding it's been like three, four weeks here, and that's like red flag, but like notwithstanding the movie... And, and the writing and the rest of the cast and everyone does a great job of convincing you, like, actually, yeah, Rhea might, like, actually just be jealous and jealous in the, like, I'm losing my big sister kind of way, which leads me down towards, like, that one path of, like, hey, it's okay to say goodbye, like, it's okay to move on, it's okay to grow up, like, you mm -hmm. still live your dreams, like, all of those things, and ends up getting subverted by what the actual ending and everything is. And I do feel like so much of, like, Lena 
accepting this is that she is being goaded on not only by her mother, but also the mother of Selim Rahila, who I'll save my comparison for her until later in the film when we actually get into like the, the ending and everything of of like who she reminds me of. Because uh, I mean, it'll get a laugh out of you, Chase. I think you already know who I'm going to say, but I think it'll get a laugh out of you. But, like, <laughs> both Rahila and Lena's own mother are, like, slyly, not even slyly, but just, like, confirming everything to Lena. Like, no, this is a great decision. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Again, kind of settling into those, like, stereotypes about what a woman's role is in, 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 you know, this culture. Like, no, this is kind of what you're supposed to do. Like, yeah, her mom is like, yeah, you had your fun going to art school. Now it's time to settle down and like do what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, like, you know, be a mother and, and, and have babies and, and just like support the man, support Celine. Like he's gorgeous and he's a doctor. Like, are you stupid? Don't fuck this up. Yeah. Which is what makes Rahila so goddamn fascinating and uh, and propels the rest of the story. Um, Chase, before we actually get to the twist here, anything prior to the twist that else that you want to discuss? Or, or should we just get into when the movie actually begins? I mean, I will say before we get to this next bit, um, I just really like uh, the way that it has these stylized fight sequences, right? You get the first one where it's Rhea versus uh the uh, edith the kind of bully at school um and you got the nice stylized graphic and they just go fucking ham in a uh school library and everyone's watching and it goes so far above and beyond what would ever be allowed in that kind of school setting but it works because there's a stylistic flair to it it's has this over-the-top presentation uh, it feels larger than life, and the actual fight replicates the emotions in play better than a more realistic fight would. Um, and the same is true with the uh, Rhea-Lima fight, right? It is absurd the extent to which these two go up against each other. The The actual wounds that they inflict on each other would be enough for, you know, anyone to be like, well, I'm never talking to her again, right? Like, this is just the end of a relationship right here. But in the film, emotionally, it is meant to represent this, you know, coming to a head of all these conflicting emotions that are leading both Rhea and Lena's actions at this point in the film. And so it makes sense that the fight is big enough to match that. Um, it, it really sets a tone for the stylized feel and approach to the narrative that ends up making the twist make a lot more sense. It feels thematically correct um, in a way that feels cohesive, uh, even despite the reveal being just batshit. Just an absolute fucking wild, uh, wild twist here. Which I guess this is us saying that if you want to go see the film without knowing what, uh, how things work out, now's the time. Now's the time to, to pause this. Go see it. It's a great film. You should go see it. It uh, has not made a ton of money because it's you know much more on the indie side of things, but it's worth your time. Go go do the thing and then come back and we can talk about how batshit this gets because holy shit. Chase, if I if I say the Michael Sarah film that this movie reminds me of, is that going to to ruin the, the batshit craziness? <laughs> 
for people? Should they should they go see it first before I say this movie reminds me of Scott Pilgrim? Oh my god. I mean, I get the reference there. Uh, it's I there is a certain extent to that, right? Like there is this um character that's kind of battling through all of these uh people who have uh you know, different ways of representing the um struggles that uh Rhea must overcome so I, I i certainly see it on that front um obviously like the the evil X's style is a little bit um it, it you know a very different kind of flavor and you don't get quite the same like you know edgar wright um you know the video game aesthetics and the like um you know instant kind of visual gags that you uh sometimes see there um but I definitely see how you would be drawn there. And as someone who really likes the Scott Pilgrim film, despite some of the flaws that uh, it might have from a scripting perspective, um, I, I, I think it's a, a fair comparison. Though I compare it a little bit more to uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once in its ability to just take a massive fucking swing and trust that the audience will be along for the ride. Um, just this uh, exploration of difficult family dynamics that are trying to be navigated, and the answer to navigating it is this larger-than-life expression um, that ends up uh, having to be explored in this very stylized way, and that the answer to the problem, as well as the ultimate way in which those problems are represented, uh, is much more uh, realistic when looked at the emotional rather than the literal. Um, but I, I, I get your comparison, though. I think it's a fun one. I'm just going to say everything, everywhere, all, the, all at once is a very bold uh, comparison, Chase. I'm just going to leave that there. That's a bold, uh, a bold statement. Uh, but that being said, the the twist, ultimately. So... Uh, Chase mentioned earlier there's a scene where Rhea breaks into Salim and uh, and Rahila's home and attempts to place uh, used condoms, which are I they look to be Magnum sized condoms filled with uh, with like hand lotion or whatever. Which an American joke would have been she would have chosen the smallest condoms uh, at, available at the drugstore, and that would have been a because he has a small dick, you know, kind of joke, ha ha ha. But I guess she needed the larger condoms so she could fit more. Uh, lotion into it i i don't fucking know that's why this is british comedy not american comedy um gets caught and everybody's mad at her lena never wants to see her again her family is aghast rahila and salim uh, it comes out that salim's uh, previous wife had passed away all of these things so ria and lena's mom uh forces ria the next day to go and to apologize to Rahila for embarrassing her, take some cookies, all of these things. And the, when Rahila shows up, Rahila's like, oh, I was just about to have a spa day. Why don't you join me? In the most evil stepmother, uh, fake, nice voice I think I have heard since, uh, sleep, uh, since uh, Cinderella. Um, so this happens. Uh, as this is happening, basically Rahila's like, I'm not going to let you get in the way of this marriage. Like... If you try to stop this, I will kill you. And that's when we get um, the the James Bond-esque torture scene utilizing um, wax strips. And again, I you know, 40-year-old virgin did this type of thing. But it, it, seems, it seems so much more dark in this movie yeah. well, because of the context. Virgin, 
yeah, 40 year old virgin is him doing it because he thinks it's going to make him more attractive. Um, in this film, it's being inflicted upon someone while a villain speech is happening. And there's an insinuation that she's trapped. Uh, and literally, she has to fight her way out of that situation in a sequence that when it starts, you're not quite sure if it's literal or not, right? Like, it's a spa day. It starts off pretty relaxing, despite some of the awkwardness there. And, you know, in a film that is much more of a, you know, coming of age, recognizing that you have to let go, but it doesn't mean that that's gone forever and you can still hold on to your dreams even if they go in a, a slightly different direction um like that would have been a dream sequence right um especially Absolutely. once like everyone who's working on the waxing like knows martial arts and immediately gets into fighting mode um in this really fun sequence but then we find the lab and the secret lab is the moment where I fell in love with this film, um, because it is a moment that I, you have to be a fucking weirdo to come up with this angle to build a film around. And I love Nita Manzor for it. I, I for, for a feature debut, I love this swing, uh, to take this kind of early interaction at the, uh, party that we talked about earlier and how, you know, it seemed like everyone was collecting drinks um, even before they had been finished drinking so that, um, you know, it turns out was to collect some DNA samples so that he could do some fertility studies. Uh, and then you find out that it's not just that he's looking for someone who is fertile, but he's looking for someone who's fertile so he can clone his mom, which is wild shit. Um, not out of nowhere in that like he is portrayed to be a mama's boy from start to finish something that uh plays into some kind of stereotypes about you know pakistani men in that culture um and the idea of you know needing to to do what their moms ask and live up to that that rep you know reputation and things but like i don't think he's trying to impregnate a woman with his mom's clone was on my top 10 list of ways i thought that film was going to end i'll be honest with you wasn't ready for it. Thoroughly glad that's what we got. Again, that is a that's a bold choice of words there, Chase. That you're thoroughly glad that's what you got. Uh, it's a bizarre one. It definitely wasn't on my fucking bingo card. Uh, and I agree. the The moment she she reaches the lab, that's the moment I was like, all right, this is where the dream sequence ends, right? This is where like the Judy Blue mask like uh, dream sequence ends, right? 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 Uh, <laughs> no. No, that's what we're doing. Oh my God, that's actually what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> that's fucked up. Sure um, Because we don't learn about the cloning thing until later. There's another villain monologue that happens a bit while later at the wedding um, that that's when we like figure out, oh, it's about a clone. Like, ah, oh, it's still fucking weird. It's still really fucking weird in the context. Um, but this happens... Rhea, like, runs back to her house, like, you know, everything. She, she gets her mom into her bedroom. She's like, Mom, you have to believe me. It's fucking crazy, everything. Rhea's already called her mom. And it's like, she just took off. I was so worried about her, you know, playing the playing the innocent villain here, all of these things. And, and uh, 
the, the mother is like, you need to fucking relax. Like, you need to figure your shit out or your sister's never, ever going to talk to you again. Maybe, you maybe I have to. S- maybe I need to send you to a farm upstate. Like, maybe yeah. this is just maybe you're just yeah. not able to be here right now. Yeah. So anyways, like the wedding happens and Rhea like falls in line and she's going to do this dance. But the entire time she like goes back to her friend. She's like, I apologize to you, too. Uh, but hey, there's a fucking lab in the basement and I don't know what they're going to fucking do to my sister. And I really need your guys help. And I'm really, really fucking sorry. And like our friends are like, OK, like we love we love lena too like we're not gonna let this happen and then they go to the bully and are like hey you have a car can we borrow your car and like offer to do our homework for her and like this entire thing um and then we get a, a, a very fun sequence i i greatly enjoy the next sequence uh the heist that was alluded to of literally chloroforming and kidnapping her sister yeah it's a perfect high schooler plan right like it's not at all thought through outside of a very basic i need to get her out of here and i've seen in the movies that chloroform is good at that so we'll just do that um it's it's really fun uh to see uh uh clara and uh alba uh you know basically get through all of the security by uh mentioning uh menstrual issues like as soon as any guy in the film hears that periods are involved, he just tunes out and lets them do whatever they want, which is really fucking funny and uh, accurate. A um, lot of lot of guys really shy away from that topic in a way that it's it's fun to see the film lean into and make fun of. Um, which, by the way, men fucking grow up. It happens. Yeah, it's it's kind of a thing that happens every month to almost half the population. So maybe, I don't know, uh, get over yourself. But very funny that it works here. Uh, And certainly very funny that, you know, the chloroform doesn't really work at first. And there's this, like, this great sequence of them, like, trying to get the elevator. And it's like, push the button. I'm I'm pushing the button. Push the button. It's like, look, you you can see me, right? You can see that I'm pushing the button. Just this kind of escalation there. It's one of the the most British moments, I think, that kind of back and forth. Agreed. Um, and the timing is, of course, perfect. They just managed to hide her away. Um, but, of course, um, since Rahila tracks Rhea down and uh, kind of uh, beats her up, wins that next fight, uh, the friends have to come back and make that trade to save Rhea's life, um, a thing that obviously does not work out very well. Um, but at the same time, uh, it turns out the answer uh, is to uh, have a gun, uh, something that is a superpower in the UK, because 99.9% of people don't have one of those. So shout out to making that work um, and all of the, the shenanigans that come in. And also Kovacs with the fire, uh, fire extinguisher. Um, brilliant. Uh, very fun. Good redemption for the, the bully there. Um, really glad she was on board. It's just it's it's a very fun series of sequences. Um, 
And, and, and the heist and the heist is overlaid because there has to be a distraction, right? Like there has to be a fucking distraction. And Rhea, as the sister of the bride, is I guess traditionally supposed to perform a dance at some point during the ceremony. So she's like, fuck it, let's do it early. That way it's gonna suck everybody to focus on me and my friends can abduct my sister with once again fucking chloroform that they made themselves. Um and it is great. It's like a great fucking Bollywood style dance. And Rhea and Rahila are fucking eye locked the entire goddamn time. And like, there's a moment where like Rhea does the gun to the head thing to like herself as part of the dance. And I'm like, okay, it's fucking on. I get it. Like, all right, cool. And then I, I don't, I, this is the moment where I'm going to tell Chase who I think Rahila reminds me of in this fight scene while she's monologuing and beating the shit out of this, like, 15, 16-year-old girl, did you get some M. Bison vibes? Because I got a lot of fucking M. Bison vibes out of this shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I do love I that. Uh... Every time she came on screen, I'm like, oh, fuck, I understand what you're trying to do here. They bring they bring her, her back. Rhea has the gun, basically, like, says what's going on, and Rahila's like, yeah, yep, you're fucking goddamn right. But it's not to impregnate her. It's a clone of me. And then, like, everybody there at the wedding is, like, Rahila's henchmen. And we get this nice, long, like, chase fight sequence as, like, Lena sort of, like, remembers being drugged and these experiments being performed on her. And, like, she believes her sister. She she has enough, like, subconscious memory bubbling back up that she believes her sister. And she goes with her sister. And we get these great different moments of... Elba and Claire and Kovacs like taking the veil and running a different direction to like have 99% of the guests follow her. And we get this nice Rhea and Lena fight sequence against the other women, part of Rahila and her mom's like friend circle and they fight them and they get to the car. And of course, Rahila is like standing right fucking there. And it's like, I knew where you were going. Like, I'm going to take her back inside. We're still going to fucking do this thing. And like, I don't care whether you want to fight this or not. Like it's going to happen. And then Rhea finally hits her fucking stunt move, wins, beats Rahila, not, like, knocks her out. Salim is like, oh, mommy, all over him. And then they, like, take off in a car. They, they take off in Kovac's car. And then they, like, stop at a diner and eat a burger. It's so fun, man. I I mean, you know, we know from the very beginning, um, because we haven't really talked about this, but, like, from the beginning, Rhea can't hit that kick, and there are multiple times in which she tries, and it always misses. And we know, because we've seen a film before, that the film is going to end with her landing that kick in some way, shape, or form. She has to. Um, but just, like, the moment where they pull over to the side and just kind of dance together and celebrate um, because uh, she got the text from Eunice, finally, this stunt woman that she had been looking up to that she wanted to do this internship program with despite her parents and her teachers all trying to steer her away from that and towards the more kind of stereotypical doctor career path um that that you see a lot of pressure to join um you know parents do that pretty universally but certainly within that community that's uh a thing that you run into stories of uh, all the time online and whatnot. Uh, and it's just, it's so cathartic, you know? Um, one, you get the, the moment in the car where Lena kind of jokes about how Rhea ruined the day, uh, but, uh, you know, kind of saved her life. Uh, like, oh, you, I, I had you for a moment there. You thought I was, and I said, ruined the day, that it was a whole thing. And, uh, 
and it's really cute. It's a it's a real sibling bond uh, that reminds us both what Rio was fighting for and who Lena was before all of this. Right? You can see why Rio would care so much, and you can see why Lena chose to follow her sister despite everything else going on. Uh, despite literally being chloroformed by her sister's friends at one point. Like, the part that matters to her is that her sister was there when it mattered. And it's really fun to just get the sequence of the two of them being able to enjoy each other's company, to celebrate the fact that Rhea finally landed the kick, to celebrate, you know, Eunice reaching out after doing a marvel, as she puts it, um, which is just a very funny way of saying that. Um, and it's just, there's, there's something really wonderful, uh, about that. Something that's very heartfelt and charming and feels real. Um, it, it, it is cathartic because as an emotional core, this is where the film should end. Who knows, right, how the cops are going to handle all of this. Rhea, you know, shot a gun multiple times in a public place in a country that's not too fond of that, right? There may be consequences there. You know, how does Rahila try to manipulate the cops versus not and, and how all that goes? It doesn't matter. It's not what this film's about. The, the film is about two siblings that start close despite Lena struggling, uh, end up being separated due to this relationship that is kind of destined to drive them apart and how they find their way back to each other again. Um, and on that note, the film nails it. Just the, the most fun way it could handle that. And also just want to give a quick shout out to the parents, you know, uh, Rhea and Lena's parents, uh, not great for a lot of this film uh, in terms of how they kind of try to discourage their uh, daughters from following their dream. But when push comes to shove and Lena's in danger, they are willing to drop everything, trust in their daughters, and uh, throw some hands. Uh, I believe her father hit someone over the head with a chair. Um, it's just great. It's great. Um, it's a reminder that while family dynamics are complicated, it doesn't mean the parents don't care. It just means that they want what's best, and sometimes they're wrong. And that's interesting, right? That's a, that's a, a fun dynamic to explore in a film like this. And I definitely felt like it was the uh, the right call across the board. I, I would agree. I definitely do. It, the parents don't feel malicious here, right? They don't feel part of the conspiracy or anything like that. They feel like parents that ultimately want what is best for their children. And like, yeah, most like art school probably isn't like, that'd probably not be one of the first things that a parent wants their to hear their kid wants to go do or go be a stunt woman. Like, yeah, of course they want their parents. They want their kids to be successful and safe. And, and there is like a level of like parenting where I, I'm not a parent. I'm, I have never had a child. So I, I don't want to say that, but from the, the child like level of thing is where there is a moment where parents suddenly realize that their child's happiness is actually the most important thing and if their child is happy, like you said, they have to trust them. They have to trust that they raised their children right and to do the right things and that they are going to 
you know, have the tools to be able to recover from whatever mistakes they may have made. And that ultimately parents, once, you know, your child reaches a certain age, you just have to be there to catch them just in case, right? That you're supposed to be there just in case and help them and cheer them on. And that like ultimately their successes are, are about them and not about you. And I, I do think that this movie does a really good job of that. And then you have Rahila on the other side where her child is, no, it's all about her. That her child's existence is actually about her and about what she's accomplished and what she did. And like, I don't know if it's that Rahila has like completely indoctrinated Salim or if just Salim is like that, but like Salim is in his own person. How would you feel if your fucking hypothetical fictional mother was like, yeah, no, so the woman you marry has to be able to uh, carry a clone of me so I can raise the child and have a second shot at, like, me becoming who I want to be? Which also, I understand this is, like, an absurd martial arts movie, but how the fuck does Rahila know martial arts? Well, because... There was no- she just knew him. She just knew fucking martial There's no explanation for it. There's nothing. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a better martial artist than this, like, kid who's taking classes right now. I mean, look, she's been molded by a hard life. That's why she deserves uh, a twin, right? Is because she uh, has had to fight every step of the way. And in this film, that means literally. Um, and that's one of the things that makes it great, right? Is it's the thematic becomes literal in a way that's just fun. That's the reason I really end up comparing it to everything everywhere all at once in a lot of ways is because that is a film that distinctly understood the importance of merging the thematic and the literal into a cohesive whole such that um, you could engage in some pretty crazy out there concepts and it still all works because it feels correct from an emotional standpoint and therefore we're willing to buy into the literal plot interpretation of these same concepts. Obviously it doesn't have the same kind of multiverse theory that makes uh, everything everywhere all at once stand out as its own unique thing. There's not going to be another film like that, at least not until the generation of filmmakers that grow up with everything everywhere all at once become filmmakers themselves, which I'm so excited by. I cannot wait for the people who are inspired by that film to end up being film people themselves um, from a writing, production, uh, directing standpoint, etc. But, you know, when you think about a film, right, what matters more, a literal truth or a, an emotional truth? We're not there to have the most logical sequence of events. We're there to feel something. We're there to in, engage in and enjoy a story that matters and we get there by engaging in things that feel true and i don't i don't really give a shit when Rahila learned martial arts it feels correct that she is a boss that needs to be fought that she needs to be overcome by Rhea in order for Rhea to free herself and her sister from the self-doubt that led them into this dark hole in the first place so it's it's fantastic it's a great choice. Um, I, I I would not change a thing as far as that framework is concerned. It's interesting you you bring up feeling because I agree with you um, that the movie was fun. I agree with you that it has 
Uh, it has a wild left turn. It has some weirdness. It has a hell of a hell of a twist. Um, I didn't feel anything, and I am going to uh, you know state that I have had some problems with recent media in terms of me feeling anything towards them because they are not for me, um, and that is fine. I am not saying that this movie has to be for me, but I find myself not engaging with it, I feel like, in the way that you did, because it didn't make me feel anything. It was, I don't want to say confusing, because it wasn't confusing. Like I said, you know, the lab scene happens, and I'm I'm confused in it, but I also understand, like, oh, I get it. We are, this is now where we're turning into, like, the traditional martial arts villain, James Bond, you know, whatever kind of trope stuff. Like, I totally get that. I understand that. Um, but this movie... I haven't experienced the things that the movie is trying to like get at me to uh, get me to feel right. So instead of having this like really well connected uh, story that is that is you know uh, bringing back core memories or is attaching you know is, is plucking my heartstrings, which sounds very like pedantic to say. Um, instead, I just get a relatively entertaining movie um, that you know, going back to what my like preconceived notions about it were. We're like a Bollywood martial arts movie. It didn't quite hit that for me. It it like it really didn't hit that point of that expectation. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the film. It, it's entertaining. Like, I enjoyed the fight sequences. I enjoyed being like, huh, yeah, she kind of reminds me of M. Bison. And once that happened, like, kind of chuckled. And, like, I get that she's the final boss. Um, But, like, I didn't feel satisfaction when Rhea hit that kick. Right? I was just like, well, of course, that's what's going to happen. Because, like you said, I've seen a film before. I, I didn't get that emotional connection with the film really at any point, and that's okay. It's not a film that was made for me. See, that's fascinating to me, because I know you have multiple siblings, Walter, and I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that at some point in your life, one of your siblings has been through something in which you have felt like you have needed to fight for them. I, I think that is a much more universal theme than that description would imply. I, I like obviously I can't make you feel a thing that you didn't feel about a film. I'm not gonna challenge your interpretation or your feelings, but I am gonna express surprise because this feels like a film ultimately about two siblings losing and finding their way back to each other, uh, which is something that you know. I can certainly relate to when it comes to me and my sister and, and some of the things that we've uh, kind of been through and, and, you know, battled through uh, that certainly felt emotionally like a martial arts fight sequence uh, stylized with some over the top uh, music and graphics and whatever else. Um, so I guess I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of surprised, I suppose. Um, but if it didn't land it uh, the way that, um, I, I guess suppose I would expect that theme to land, then it didn't land. Um, but certainly I, I imagine that when we get into our scores here, that's going to be the biggest difference between you and me is that I thought that this theme, you know, I, I am not a uh, Pakistani person. I am not someone who can relate to every individual element here, but the heart of this, the heart of this speaks to me. Um, and it's a film with a lot of heart. Um, so, um, 
you, you could expect to see that reflected in the score that I imagine we're about to head into. <laughs> and you are correct. But I guess for, from like my life experiences with my siblings, I don't know if I, if me to any of my four siblings, if I have ever gotten to that moment where I felt like it was completely lost. I mean, my sister and I have certainly had uh, troubled differences, right? There, there was times, there was a time when I remember uh, her knocking on the bathroom door constantly while I was trying to use it. And I finally threw the door open in her face. uh, And she's, was the one that got yelled at, even though she had the giant goose egg on her forehead. You know, um, but I I don't think ever growing up, I ever felt like I was losing any of my siblings. And, you know, while like we might not talk every single day, if you put the five Fedchuk kids and my two parents into a room and you throw some alcohol in there, it's a really fucking good time. And and I guess like that probably is what is what's missing here is that I I don't feel like I've ever had that experience uh, and maybe if you ask my siblings, like, they'd be completely, like, disagree with me and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, but yeah, like, I understand that there's heart there. I understand that there is that sort of, like, touch point there for you. Um, and I just, I never felt it personally. And again, doesn't mean it's a bad film. Uh, it is going to impact my score, <laughs> which, Chase, uh, I always like good news first. So why don't you give us the good news and, and what I'm uh, what I'm sure to be, given your comparisons to everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, will be high marks for this movie. Given this a 10 out of 10. Um, this is Fighting with John Wick 4 is my favorite film of the year. Um, I love this film. I had a blast start to finish. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very fun. I thought it had a lot of heart. I love the swing that it took. Um, it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite films of all time, Sorry to Bother You, uh, in that it takes a swing for the absurd that is going to alienate some people, but it's going to make the people who are left really love it. And I loved it. I, I was, you know, I, I went in thinking I was going to have a fun time with uh, a film with a little bit of a silly concept and enjoy a nice comedy. And I left just loving this film and wishing that it was more successful and that more people were giving it the attention that it deserves because uh, there's a reason the reviews are so positive. There's a reason that the people who have seen it um, love it as much as, uh, as, as a lot of people have. Um, and it's because you're not going to watch a film quite like it. Uh, It takes a very unique mind to come up with some of the angles that this film comes up with. Uh, And I got to say, Nita Mansour, I don't expect you to listen to this podcast. I simply don't think we have that kind of pull. But if somehow I am wrong about that, I want you to know that I can't wait to watch everything you do from this point forward. I am fascinated in the same way that Boots Riley has fascinated me. Uh, in the same way that the uh, the brothers whose names I'm forgetting right now, who did everything everywhere all at once, the 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 Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Schneinert, um, I, I just want to see everything that she does from this point forward. I I am fascinated, and I'm so glad that she finally got a chance to do her first feature film, uh, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Just really good stuff. Hi, Nita. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. You can go ahead and shut it off now. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, no. Time Bye-bye. to rain on my parade. What you giving it?
I, I, it's a six out of ten. It was. Whoa! It was a. It was entertaining, um, in the absurdity, but like I, I keep I keep bringing this up. I expected like a Bollywood martial arts film, um, and I I didn't feel like I got that, and because that was like my expectation, like it was still fun. Like I know six out of ten feels so bad, but like I I put it this way, like if I if you were told me this is exactly what this film is. If you gave me the script and the synopsis and everything and said, hey, this is everything that happens, I wouldn't have gone to the movie theater for it. I would have waited to watch it on Amazon Prime or whatever, like, in six months. And even then, it might have been just, like, a... I would have had to probably spin the wheel for, like, pick a random movie or something. Um, I don't think the film is bad. It's just not for me. And I think you have to be okay with that. Um... I'll put it this way. It was more entertaining than Tar. Like, the fight scenes were good. They were very <laughs> interesting. That's so mean, given what you think about Tar. Listen, like, you got to fucking compare this to everything, everywhere, all at once. Fuck off. <laughs> How, I am so offended by that. But I also, like, understand and appreciate that you had a connection to the film that I did not. And that's why you're going to feel so so strongly about it. And like me, I I don't feel for it. It's It's average. And I think that's why it's a six. Like, it's good. You probably will enjoy watching it for, like, some of the action. And like I said, the, the weirdness of it is interesting. But outside of that, I, I, I didn't get anything else. Six out of ten. That's still watchable. I might be madder about this than Tar. I can feel myself genuinely, like, <laughs> there's a genuine response here that I need to process on my own time. Um, but God, I, I mean, I guess I can't wait to hear what, uh, our lovely listeners think. Um, I, I would love for y'all to go out and see it for yourself and tell us which side of this you're on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would not have guessed that that was your score given the way we've talked about the film to this point. So I, uh, I, I am once again, Walter, finding myself out of step with where I think your uh, scores are going to go, uh, which is always fun for me because it means that um, uh, it, it keeps me on my toes uh, and hopefully uh, provides a nice word for our listeners as well. See, Chase, a lot of acting is inflection and tone and, you know, kind of hinting at what you want the audience to think you actually feel and are saying while you're meaning something entirely different. So I have to be, like, more energetic and animated so that you don't expect that I'm about to shit all over your movie at the end of this. <laughs> well, well played, sir. Well played. But if you disagree with me and you agree with Chase and you do think that this is one of the best movies of the year, Chase, where can the good folks at home find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Chase Wassner on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Um, assuming that nothing insane happens... Uh, between now and uh, you know, the, I guess the rest of the year, uh, you'll be able to find uh, new episodes of this show every two weeks. Uh, and every week that we're not doing this, we're doing a lovely podcast called Steam Cleaners, where we talk about some video games that we've been playing. And oh boy, do I have a backlog of video games, given that I have been uh, doing very little else uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Granted, one of them. Uh, I'm going to just drop a, a little teaser here to hold myself accountable to actually do it. Um, 
I might be doing for a project outside of the podcast. But uh, plenty of fun games to talk about. Plenty of fun films coming down the pipeline. So definitely stay subscribed and stay tuned in. Um, and uh, yeah, can't. Uh, thanks for listening, though. As always, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And Chase and I want to do RRR, but we're not doing that next. You're going to have to wait a a month for RRR because uh, in our planning, we decided, you know, we're we're going to go a bit out there, out into space for our next film. So in two weeks, uh, be sure to be on your guard. And until then, goodbye, Internet.